afternoon and welcome to The Window. I'm Dr. Joanna Williamson and I'm live in studio today with my co-host. And I am Dr. Iris Cooper. Uh, hopefully um, everyone is enjoying the Saturday sun um, and we are here to look through the window this Saturday and talk about a topic that's very important to our community, correct? Yes, before we do that, Dr. I, we want to welcome you back to the studio. We missed you last week, and we had a time last week, and in fact, I would say you're right. Every week we reflect on topics that are important, but last week I wasn't even out of the studio before I started getting text messages and phone calls about our topic last week. We had a great speaker, the Columbus City Health Commissioner, Dr. Mashika Roberts, but she was talking about COVID-19, and in the five days since we aired, I would say that there have been so many new developments that we probably could devote the next 10 shows to talking about COVID and we would have updates. And so since we've talked, we're broadcasting from Central Ohio, but we encourage all of our listeners to be sure that you know what's going on in your community where you live as it relates to COVID. The vaccine, the Delta variant, whatever mandates or restrictions there may be or that are being considered. We're going to talk about back to school today, and there's a lot of conversation about what's going to happen and not happen when not only K-12 children, but also students going to colleges and universities go back. So everyone, please keep abreast, um, no matter what your thoughts and opinions are about COVID. Certainly it's newsworthy. I did not mince words in sharing my thoughts and opinions about COVID. And I will ask, as I've asked so many people so many times, if you don't believe that there is a COVID, if you don't believe that masking or vaccine are the solutions, even if you do believe there's a COVID, then what is your solution? What is your solution as to how we get to the other side of this pandemic? Dr. Roberts told us the last time we had a national pandemic, it lasted about two years. That was 100 years ago. And so we're 17, 18 months into this. And based on what scientists are saying, not what I heard Uncle Fred say on the kitchen porch or mm-hmm. whatever, but based on what scientists are saying, we could get through it a lot faster. We could all be inclined to take off our masks as opposed to perhaps putting them back on if we would just take the simple step that unless you have some real medical reason why you can't do it, get vaccinated like people did against polio and smallpox and MMR. So yes, my bias is showing today because someone in my bubble is immunocompromised and he can't and we can't live our lives again the way we all want to unless we as a society realize it's not just about us you know just like putting on seat belts and not running through red lights and not running down the street naked all of those which could be perceived as a violation of my personal rights but in a shared society we do what we need to do to be and and, and the other piece is health has to be at the top of your list of priorities for yourself, for your family, for your friends, health. You can't shy away from it, you can't ignore it. Mental and physical health. Because if you don't have those two assets, you are crippled no matter what the situation is. You must 
use your brain and your body in the best possible way. And right now, uh, if you are one of those people that are in a in a corner pretending like we're not in uh, the fight of our lives for a health from a health standpoint, you're in the wrong world because this world requires us to pay attention to our environment. And I'll get off my soapbox. Well, we're 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 looking through the window and and we would encourage again anyone who has an answer to our question in terms of a better way to get through the pandemic we are more than willing please look either one of us up on facebook dr joanna williams and dr iris cooper please look either one of us up on facebook and send us a note we'd be glad to have you on the show now you you kind of know where we're coming from right now but we really do want our audience to be informed and um and and an active positive productive members of society so with that and we have no ulterior motive here folks we are sharing information because we believe it's important to the black community period there's no ulterior motive we're not selling anything so listen and follow if you will right so send us a note don't don't come to my house if you're not vaccinated, but send us a note if you have some thoughts about that. That's the end. I'm freaking out those people who are in mm. studio with me. So moving right along, it is now the end of July, which means tomorrow will be August, which means, among other things, we're not only thinking about but planning to go back to school. And it's kind of unbelievable. And one thing I think that we all learned last year during the pandemic is that school is not just about the teachers that education happens everywhere and so we'd like to build on that theme today as we talk over the next few weeks about going back to school it takes a village is a cliche that so many of us heard and we've talked on this show about family and friends in different contexts but today we'd like to talk about the whole topic of mentoring and what it takes to mentor a young person or, or even even older people we hear about people being mentored in the workplace and so that's what we're going to focus on for today and we're so honored to have with us on the phone and in studio people who know a lot about mentoring because that's what they do they either mentor or they have been mentored so on the line we have calling in with us today when you think about mentoring there are some organizations that just pop into your head and one of those is big brothers big sisters kind of the the granddaddy grandmother of mentoring organizations we are so honored and so appreciative to have on the line with us today elizabeth martinez who's president and ceo of big brothers big sisters of central ohio good afternoon elizabeth and thank you for joining us on the window Good afternoon, Dr. Williamson. Uh, good afternoon, Dr. Cooper. I'm so excited to be with you today and with your listening audience, especially in the context of the conversation around mentoring, a topic that is so important and near and dear to my heart. I am so glad to reconnect with you, Elizabeth. Um, you've been busy running one of the iconic institutions here in Central Ohio. And uh, I know that not only is your mind and heart, you are working every day to make this a better place for us to live. And so I do appreciate you and I appreciate your journey. Thank you, Dr. Cooper. Elizabeth, what would you like for us to know about your organization and about 
why with everything else everyone has going on, why anyone should want to be a mentor? Well, you know, you talked a little bit about uh, Big Brothers, Big Sisters. We're a mentoring organization that has been in existence for over 100 years. I think if you look at the core of, of the word mentoring, mentoring it is really just about relationships and human connection. And this organization has been founded on the principle of understanding that, you know, we were built for human connection. And there's so many benefits from from that uh, and wanting, you know, we talked about, you were talking about earlier to your listening audience about prioritizing um, health and specifically thinking about mental health. There's, there's a lot of benefit in our ability to build that web of support, uh, human connection between each other. And so this, this organization has leaned in the youth development space in that capacity. We think that mentoring really serves as a scaffolding tool. We can use it to unearth talents and gifts. Um, specifically, we're in the space of working with young adults um, in our program. We're working with young children in our program, but really the benefit of mentorship reaches on both sides. There's an impact for both the volunteer participating in the program, the young children participating in our program, the young, um, you know, teenagers and, you know, transitioning even to some of those adult stages and, and figuring out opportunities for us to bridge connections across difference. So when I think about the power of mentorship and, you know, why someone in this particular time would think about mentoring, I think, as I referenced earlier, I think there's just a lot of benefit as we think about strengthening the social fabric of our community. We know that just as, as important as our physical health is, I think our our relational health is incredibly important. And we're certainly living through very, very interesting times. There have been so many conversations that we've been having in community as we still are centered in a pandemic. Um, and I would I would also offer multiple pandemics, right? The weight that our children are carrying are very is very heavy right now and can be to a certain extent traumatic. I think that's both big T and little T. And what we know to be true as an organization is that one of the most important factors for us to buffer some of those current stressors is being able to create those healing environments to help recover from, from you know, whether it's the trauma that we're experiencing now or even past trauma. So when we talk about the village, uh, I think it it is the call for, for the village um, to do essentially what we were created to do is this leverage relationships to be able to, to help support each other. And obviously, you know, lastly, I'll offer that specifically in the space of young children, as we think about going back to school and, and the opportunity ahead of us, there's going to be a lot of focus on social and emotional well-being for young people, um, specifically in our program. The research tells us that regulated adults help regulate children, and I think that that stability is incredibly important. There are obviously academic um, and career benefits, and, and just being able to be supportive for that entire family unit, I think, is important to our organization. Elizabeth, who are the children who are mentored through Big Brothers Big Sisters? The children that are coming to our organization and that we engage are, you know, children from, from our community, all 
all spaces um, in our community. Um, as we represent here the the Columbus Agency, a Big Brother Big Sister affiliate, uh, about seventy percent of the population of children that we serve are Black and Brown children in in our community. Many of those children have lived experiences that include, you know, single family home structures and some occasion, you know, they're dealing with um, other factors of complexity, an incarcerated parent, um, living in poverty, you know, some of those are some of the lived experiences of young people in our program. And at the same time, you know, we're supporting children from different communities as well that perhaps have, um, you know, more resources, more more support around them, but can still benefit from the power of a, a relationship like a mentoring relationship through our program. Elizabeth, I have a question. Uh, back when I was raising children, there used to be a term called role model. Role model. Is that still relevant anymore for adults to aspire to be role models around youth? I think I think it's a very interesting question. I think um, you know children are seeing a lot of models, um, you know, and I think role models show up in in many different ways. I think from an aspirational standpoint, yes, I think we are role models. Children are looking to adults as as you know, trying to identify and glean information about you know who shall I become, um, you know what's the pathway for me. But I I do believe that we all have a responsibility as adults to be able to to demonstrate, um, you know, skills, um, to be able to demonstrate behaviors that, that can be aspirational for kids that we are, are connecting with. And, and I think we have many people in our community that do serve in that capacity. I don't think that it takes incredible skill um, or, you know, extensive um, career background for one to to be of of a powerful influence and to be the role model i think you know most when we think about the true value of this connection and this relationship of being a role model it's it's about stability you know everybody wants to know at the end of the day that that i belong you know you can serve as an as an advocate role models can be thought partners or allies they're people that are accountability partners sometimes and sometimes that role model is just about teaching us how to you know navigate through through these experiences enjoying life it's not always about the challenge it's not always about talking of the difficulty um you know that our our communities are facing i think a lot of times is, is being able to to demonstrate um, positivity and being able to demonstrate, you know, examples of of positive living. And also point out um, those behaviors that we see on TV and movies and various media that are not positive. Um, There's quite a a collection of those characters um, on social media and TV um, that children are paying attention to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they have easy access to that. I think one of the important things in that exchange in that relationship is to be able to have those conversations about what children are being exposed to. And, and, you know, I don't think that we can get to a point where we can limit access to some of that information, but being able to have somebody that you can come back in and check in with and have a conversation about what you were just exposed to and and what that meant to you and, and how you might be navigating through that, I think that's really important. 
So the whole issue of role modeling is very interesting because even if someone in our audience says, well, gee, I don't think that I want to sign up to be a formal mentor, which we hope your mind will be changed somewhat after today's show, but at a minimum, know that young people are watching you. So even if you're 16 years old, know that your 10-year-old cousin is looking at what you do and hearing what you say and what your choices are. So I think that's a great reminder for each one of us that our daily actions make us role models in either a positive or a negative way. Elizabeth, you mentioned that about 70% of Big Brother, Big Sister of Central Ohio, young people are are of color. What about the base of mentors? I would say that it's significantly lower than that number. And it's, you know, it's an interesting um, kind of dynamic that we navigate through. I, I don't think that that's a unique experience to Columbus. I think if you look at nationally, the numbers around um, persons of color engaging in volunteerism in formal ways, um, we, we probably see those those numbers being um, significantly lower than, than what the need is. But here's what I know to be true about uh, about black and brown cultures and you know the, this concept of volunteerism, of mentorship, of engagement is not unique to our communities. We're, we're doing this in multiple ways, right? We, we often are engaging in these type of, uh, you know, whether formal or informal activities, probably most likely in areas of proximity. So whether that's in faith-based engagement, whether in your local community, whether, you know, it's just family members and, and children of family members that you're providing support to, this notion of the village has always been part of our identity. And I think for organizations like ours, it's about creating those bridges and connections to be able to take what is naturally, um, you know, an inclination of a community and and try to figure out ways to bridge uh, formal connections with organizations that are, you know, more structured and and the models have um, a different design to them. But, you know, I I wouldn't suggest that because the numbers are, are a lower percentage that it means that we're not uh, actively engage in the same levels than other communities are. I just think the way that we show up could look different. Does your organization make proactive efforts to recruit mentors? Absolutely. Um, you know, we are our, our model, if you will, of, of mentorship is, you know, 365 days of the year we're recruiting. Um, you know, it's part of the the pipeline building. That pipeline for volunteers is just part of the, the nature of, of the model of Big Brothers, Big Sisters. And we do that in a, a couple, many different ways. I think what, there's engagement that include strategies that are both kind of at the grass tops level as well as grassroots and maybe everything in between so we're we're connecting at the local level with other community organizations attending local events within community i think one of the most um powerful ways to attract volunteers is through word of mouth so we're able to leverage those that already have the experience that already have a positive connection with our organization to be able to refer someone that they believe could also um, be a, a good mentor and connected to the organization. At the same time, you know, we're we're connecting with others that are that are doing the work that are engaged in the youth development space to help us identify, um, you know, parties. There are other 
vehicles of communication kind of in that middle space between the grassroots and the grass tops and at that grass top level it's you know we're connecting with businesses and um, corporations to help identify employees and some of their um, associates to engage in the program as well but it's a, it's a daily practice Elizabeth, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'd like to know more about what it takes to be a mentor. What are you looking for? We'll be right back on The Window. We are back on The Window, and I am going to um, describe a relationship that I had with a mentee that started when this person, this young woman was 12 years old. And as everyone knows that preteen, those years are, 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 are challenging and stressful, not only for the child, but for the parent. But in any event, um, I had a mentee that was um, a part of the children's services um, uh, organization. And, um, to, to to summarize the the relationship, it really became just an extension of my own family. Um, everything that I did with my children, she was included in. And um, she was disciplined just like my children were. Um, she was um, commended for doing well in school and I don't think that some mentors understand the importance of inclusion for that mentee that child who needs a stand-in parent figure stand-in brothers and sisters and um it went up and down for years just like raising children up and down up and down but Today, as an adult, that's still my child, even though she's grown now. And um, I would like to find out, just like Dr. Joe, how are you qualifying people for this very important role as a mentor? You know, I, I think for our organization, we're, you know, we're often thoughtful about our role in this space. You know, we want to make sure that we are part of raising a mentored or mentored generation, and individuals that are interested in engaging, you know, in getting behind that mission is incredibly, you know, important for us as kind of a, a starting point, right? Being willing to come alongside the organization. I think we're looking, you know, for volunteers. Uh, first of all, I should say that you know, not not everyone, uh, you know, wants to be engaged in formal um, connections with young people. But I think the core individuals that understand that, you know, our kids, just like any other kids, want to be seen. They want to know that they matter. They want to know that, you know, what they have to say um, means something uh, to someone. And so it is a kind of a core standard, if you will, though that value um, kind of alignment is important as someone engages in our program. And then once a a potential volunteer um, explores beyond that first stage. We want to have conversations about 
um, you know, interest that they have and some of their background and experiences and how, you know, we can be thoughtful about making sure that, that we're matching for some level of compatibility. But at the end of the day, we're, you know, we know that young people that are coming to our program with interest and engagement really want to um, have someone that's going to be stable, stable in their, in, you know, kind of that pillar and that foundation um, in their in their life. And so, you know, commitment is a really important piece um, to the program as well. We can do we can do more harm if we have someone who's in our program that is not committed um, to the work. But, you know, there are obviously a, a number of resources and tools that we provide. We're able to equip volunteers with training. We're able to provide them with support behind the scenes. And the most important thing is that we're partnering with parent or guardians. So we're not doing this independently and part of that assessment process to determine if this is the right volunteer for for a child in our program is being able to do that in collaboration with the parent and guardian. Elizabeth, for our audience, if anyone is interested in learning more about the specifics of being a mentor or recommending a child to be mentored, can you please give us your website? Yes, I would encourage you to uh, reach out to Big Brothers Big Sisters of Central Ohio.org um, and uh, BBBS Central Ohio.org um, is, and you know, reach out to our organization. We're, we'd be happy to have a conversation about, you know, if one-to-one mentoring is, is not um, the direct pathway and how you want to lean into the youth development space, there are also some other opportunities. And we also partner with other uh, mentoring organizations who are providing an incredible amount of value in this community and, you know, could serve as a, a springboard to connection to those organizations. So that's bbbscentralohio.org. Elizabeth, I hope you can stay with us for the remainder of our show. Thank you, certainly, for what you do for the community and for being here with us today. And I would say to our audience again that certainly Big Brothers Big Sisters has a reputation for doing what they say they do in terms of connecting mentors with mentees. In addition, we've talked about the importance of being a role model, but also to our audience, depending on you and your personal circle and your personal interest, there might be other mentoring organizations and other mentoring opportunities you may want to consider. I am looking in studio right now at a book called Boys Won't Be Boys. I've had the privilege of reading this book because my son has an autographed copy, autographed by the author who we have here with us today, Tim Brown, who serves as director of sports camps for Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Columbus. He's an author, as I just mentioned. He's also a motivational speaker, and he's an all-around good guy. And, and one thing he believes in, and we have a guest he brought with him here today who can help testify to that, Coach Tim believes in the power of of mentoring so coach thank you for being here today you don't mind if i call you coach do you oh, since fine. that's wrong which i know you thank you for being here thank you it's my pleasure uh thank you for the opportunity and i want to uh thank uh it's martinez for what they're doing with big brothers and big sisters we're one of those community partners with them and they provide a lot of good resources for us and guidance in our mentorship work so i want to thank them for that Great. Why, with everything you have going on, I happen to know you have a very beautiful family with um, a, a lovely wife and a daughter and two sons. With everything you have going on, 
why is it that mentoring is has made it to the top of your life list? It's at the top uh, mainly because it's my responsibility. I believe it's my responsibility because I was blessed to be part of uh, uh, not so formal mentoring, but informal mentoring throughout my life. I was blessed to uh, have some men who came alongside me. I didn't grow up with my biological dad in the home, so I had some men, some coaches, some teachers who came alongside me. So it behooves me to give back, you know, to be that for someone else that someone was for me. And specifically, what does giving back mean? What is expected of a mentor? That's a great question, uh, Dr. Williams. I think the uh, expectation goes two ways. One is for, for the mentor, I believe, that the expectation for me is just being that non-judgmental, caring adult that's not judging a child. You know, meaning a, a kid may come in, he, his pants may be down, you know, he may may not have that look. But as a mentor, I'm not judging him. I'm, a, I'm that non-caring, judgmental, I'm that caring, judgmental adult. But also, uh, I think it's important just to be consistent. You know, you have to be consistent, you have to show up to build that relationship. I've been involved with FCA for 20 years. So I've been showing up at schools with coaches, with athletes for 20 years. So I've been consistently showing up. And lastly, I think as a mentor, you have to, you have to provide a, a vision, a vision for that child, you know, to be, part, be, a, be a visionary for them, you know, to help them with their vision, what they want to accomplish as a mentor. My role is to help them achieve that goal. And, and we've talked about mentoring today quite a bit from the perspective of the mentor. Let's talk for a moment about the mentee, starting with the family. If, if you're, what leads a family to say, gee, formally, I believe that my child should be signed up for Big Brothers, Big Sisters, or I've seen Coach Tim in the community. What is it that compels a family to do that? And what's expected of that family to make the mentoring relationship work? Yeah, um, I get those calls a lot, actually, about, hey, can you help me with my son? Uh, and a lot of times that's from maybe some single moms, you know, looking for, uh, they feel like their son needs some things that they can't teach him. They got him to a certain level. And so they're looking for a man, so to speak, to come alongside. But it has to be a partnership. As Ms. Martinez said, it has to be a partnership. The parents are so critical. We talk about the village, which is important, but the village starts in the home. It starts with starts with parents, and I encourage parents to to reach out and for mentorship to find a organized group, find a formal mentoring program. Just don't turn your child over to any old body. You know, make sure that that there's it's a formal program, it's a structured program, where 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 you can be in relationship, where you can know who that mentor is. There's been a background check on that mentor. There's been some things that that have been checked off. The boxes have been checked before that person becomes a mentor. And then you have a better shot. But the parents are so important in that. But at the same time, the parents can't just turn them over to, to me or a mentor and say, hey, you raise them now. You know, I've heard, I hear this all the time. Well, I can't do anything with them. You know, I just, well, I'm like, if you can't do anything, I'm in trouble. You know, I taught fifth grade boys for six years. And when parents would say that, I'd say, I'm in trouble. <laughs> you know, because basically, you know, you feed, you club and whatnot. So it, 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 it's a joint responsibility. And lastly, I'll say this. Uh, Greg Arnold worked with Frank Children's Services for a while. Greg Arnold said this in an interview. He said this African proverb that says this, when the, when the child is ready, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Mm. And I found that to be so true. And I have a young man with me here today, uh, Chris, who was that student. Why and, don't you introduce and he was him to us. This Thank is uh, Chris Stevens. I've uh, known Chris since eighth grade. Uh, and Chris was a, a mentor uh, at some different schools or whatnot. And now he's kind of come full circle. Now he works with me as a mentor. He's gone from being a mentee to a mentor. 
So we kind of work together in that. So Chris, you want to talk about your experience? Absolutely. And uh, first of all, thanks for having me on the show today. Thank you. Uh, it's really an honor to be a part of this, um, part of this show and a uh, part of this conversation. Um, actually, Coach Brown and I met in when I was in sixth grade. We met through sport. We met, uh, met through um, uh, at the YMCA. Um, we used to do an in-house league at Elden Ward YMCA. Um, proud to be an Eastside kid. So, um, and so he would bring a team in for the in-house league, and I met him through that. Um, back back in that time and then for a, a little while we didn't have a bunch of we didn't have a connection for for a few years ended up going to Columbus Afrocentric uh, for a few years met him there because he was doing some FC huddle groups at lunchtime and so we connected reconnected through then and a couple years came by again transferred schools found out he was going to be at the school that I was at and we connected through that didn't I thought that was going to be end of that relationship? Meet him when he's uh he's getting ready to do his book signing for boys won't be boys um at a vine was Vineyard Columbus yeah Vineyard Columbus I'm like wow man I can't get away from this guy um and we ended up reconnecting then he told me hey listen I might have some work for you at some point I didn't know the aspect I didn't know what the the terms of that what what, what that was going to be. Um, I just knew, all right, I have some work for you. Let's do this. Let's do this thing. And I didn't realize it was going to turn into this. And I say this all the time to a lot of people. If I would have known in sixth grade what I know, what, what was going to happen now, I would have stuck with this guy. I'd have been I'd have been following him around like I do now um, because him and I have a similar story. I also grew up without my biological father. And so, I mean, I had the joy of having a few mentors around, but of, of all of them, Coach Brown has been one of those ones that's really kind of throughout not only my childhood years, uh, but also through my adult years, my young adult years, and now going into my you know early 30s, um, has stuck by me. You know, it's held me accountable to, to be the man, the leader, and uh, eventually at some point, you know, the husband or the father uh, that I can be um, l later in life. And so uh, I'm eternally grateful to not only still be mentored by him, but as he said, it's going full circle. Um, now I'm doing the same thing that he's done. Um, I often think of that, that, um, that quote that Woody Hayes uh, said years ago, pay it forward because you can't pay it back. And, you know, I, I think my pay it forward is basically doing what he did for me and in some ways I kind of pay back kind of pay it back to him um even though it's a, it's a little weird I, I kind of pay it back to him by you know in uh, taking those lessons that he instilled with me in me and uh by passing them along to somebody else so uh, that so we, it's been about a good 20 years or so <laughs> that we've been uh hanging around yeah and that's a long time. I know when Dr. I talked about her long-term relationship and you talk about 20 years, that's a long time mm -hmm. for any relationship, which I think just speaks to, to the, the strength of that bond. What, what types of activities do you actually engage in in a mentor-mentee relationship? I think a lot of those activities is sometimes is based on the interests of that particular uh, mentee. Uh, some may be a sports relationship. They may enjoy enjoy sports. Uh, they may enjoy some other things. But I think the, the, the to me the main thing in that is just providing them with some things that they may not otherwise get to experience. 
we have what we call a hope tour is what we do with students. We'll take them different places. to. It's all about exposure. Yeah. So for me, as far as the, the mentor things that we do is, is exposure. It's kind of getting them out of that six block radius, expose them to something different, you know, open up their eyes, creating a vision for them, you know, helping them see some things. So I think we have to meet the mentors, the mentees where they're at, what are their interests, and then kind of building a program or building or building a relationship around that. I would echo what you just said about expanding the world around them. My my own son, who's now 25, we were blessed to have men when he was growing up who would reach out to us to be his mentor. And one of the things they did, they weren't always located in the same city with mm-hmm. us. They, they would take him for several weeks into their home or invite us to come and visit them. And, and he says even now that the best thing that, that we could have done when he was growing up, I used to have a phrase, I want to show you that the world is bigger than Columbus, Ohio. Yes. And and I didn't know that it would have such an impact on him, not just geographically, but to know about, about possibilities. Are there downsides to mentoring? Are there, are there kids who break your heart? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you have those, but... Uh... But the other side of that is those that keep you going, you know, you know, successes, even those who you think may break your heart. Uh, if you hang around long enough, and I've been doing this long enough, where there's some guys who are like, man, he just didn't get it. And then he'll see you 10 years from now and he'll thank you. He'll thank you for just for just being there with him. You know, hey, I may have, and what we can do, I go back to that non-judgmental, you know. So I'm not judging guys because they may, may have gotten off the path, may have done some things they shouldn't have done. I'm still there. You know, I'm still Mr. Brown. I still love you. I still care about you. I'm still con- concerned about you. Now let's figure out how we can get on that path again. So we, what I'm saying is we don't want to give up. I, I don't believe in giving up on young people. And my heart's been broken sometimes, for sure, for sure. But but I know I that I've, and I put my heart out. Once you get involved, you put your heart out there, that's going to happen. That's just the reality of it. But I believe that, that a young man can bounce back. We're going to go to break in just a moment, but I want to start a conversation with you that We'll finish after we come back if need to. So on the window, um, we've talked quite a bit with professionals in various areas in which adults and children need support. For example, um, mental health counseling, um, drug counseling. Do you ever in your role as a mentor feel the need to call in other professionals? And we will talk about that when we come back on the window. We are back on the window. We are talking about getting ready to go back to school. So many topics to cover there. And before we talk about mentoring and the importance of the entire village and the classroom and life education of our youth, we'll mention a few other back to school topics. First, be sure you're paying attention in your own community for whatever resources there might be to support you as you go back to school, whether there are um, school supplies that are needed, whether there are guidelines coming from um, your local area as to what will and will not happen in your school district as it relates to COVID. And also listen to your child, whatever your child is telling you, are there fears or concerns about going back to school? And also think about whatever strengths they might have and how you might partner with your teacher and your school and being sure that, that your child is getting off to a, a strong start this year. So um, it's time to go back to school. And oh, we're yes. talking about mentoring. And we have the president and CEO of Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Elizabeth Martinez. 
Big Brothers Big Sisters of Central Ohio. We also have Coach Tim Brown, and I'm looking at a book that he's written called Boys Won't Be Boys. Tell us about that book. What should we learn from that? Uh, the, the goal of the book and the tagline there is empowering boys to live uncommon in a common world. And the goal of the book is to teach, uh, to work with young men to help them not be like everybody else, to find their uniqueness and to get off the common path and, and develop an uncommon path. And so each chapter we talk about something different, uncommon character, uncommon friends, uh, uncommon relationships, uh, uncommon identity, protecting your name. So the goal of the book is to help young men to develop an uncommon identity. And so how do you push back against the forces that we talked about before in social media, um, streaming videos that sometimes say, no, here's the common way to do things these days, especially if it helps them sell records or videos or whatever. How do you push back against those forces? Uh, that's a tough one, being honest. And, and I must, I'm just going to throw my old school out and then I'll let Chris throw his in. My, my old school is this, is that uh, all of us have done some of those things before. And we as adults, we kind of we, we seem to forget that we were that way, some of those, and we survived it. And the reason we survived it because I believe someone planted some seeds in us. And when it came to a certain point, we wouldn't cross that line. We knew how far to go. There's a line we wouldn't cross, you know. But someone had to plant those seeds. So when those, those, when those situations come, they had to know a better way. And if all you know is that one way, then that's what you're basing your decisions on. And so our goal in the book is, is to present a different way. So Chris, what about all this social media and, and all the hype and, you know, you know, the rappers get all the girls and all that, you know, the more you can cuss, the more money you make. <laughs> well, uh, I think it, you know, with social media, I, I think it's a gift and a curse. It can be a gift and a curse. If you use it in the right way, you can influence a lot of positive change. You can, you, you've seen what's been happening, what's been going on in the last year. We've been at, with social media and a lot of music and a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, any, any type of media, we've been able to uh, bring about some type of change in, in our communities. But on the flip side of that, the cursed part of it is that uh, we see a lot of the negative aspects of it. We see, um, there's a lot of uh, of comparison. We always talk about the, the getting stuck in a comparison trap. It's a it's a vicious, vicious cycle of being compared to the next person. This person has better shoes than I do. This person has better this than I do. This person has more girls than I do. They have the car, the house. They have this, and you know when when it all comes down to it, we we have to really ask the question. They have all of this, but do they have peace in there? Do they have peace? Do they have joy in their heart? And we, we gotta stop getting stuck in that whole that whole loop of I have to do this in order to find happiness or find joy or find, you know, you know, some type of sanity in my life. And but sometimes social media doesn't help with that lesson. And uh, we just at, at, at my age, you know, I'm the millennial generation and uh, I have a sister who's in the generation right behind me and you know she's you know, it's just that lesson just like you said you have to have people around you that tell you listen that's not the way to do it. you have to have people that hold you accountable at all times um, no matter what age you are you have to be willing to 
to decipher between what's the right way and what's the wrong way and not be influenced by those who will tell you that, you know, what you're doing is quote unquote, and I'm going to put lame or, you know, dorky or anything uh, of the sort. So this is just about all uh, who you're listening to, who you're, um, who you're allowing in your, your spirit. There's always that, that verse in the Bible, you know, you know, guard your, your guard, above all else, guard your heart and all that. But you also have to guard your mind. You have to guard what you hear and guard what you see as well um that's a big part of that good and and i want to emphasize again something that coach brown said that was an aha moment for those of us here in the studio that everyone listening with the exception of me of course has done things in their youth (laughs) has done things in their youth that we would just as soon forget about but somehow we live to tell about it and usually it was because of the influence of someone who somehow some way whether it was through friendly threats or positive motivation pulled us through that point and got us to the other side of it let me ask you if i will and again elizabeth if you would like to chime in as well don't hesitate to do that by phone I want to talk to you about young ladies, about girls. We, we've had shows here on the window devoted to girls, so please don't think in our conversation today we're just ignoring that. But as it relates to the, the mentoring that you, Coach Brown, do with young men and Chris that you've benefited from, do, do young women benefit from having positive male role models as well? Uh, I believe they do for sure, and particularly uh, seeing um, – uh, the man that they want to marry or be involved with, but also having a man in your life who kind of keeps those other guys away from you. Mm. I have a daughter, and, you know, I'm a father or whatnot, and I'm the protector of her, so to speak. You know, I ran a whole lot of guys off, and I, I messed up, <laughs> ran some good guys off <laughs> you know, along <laughs> the way. Uh, but I think that I've been a protector, having someone. And I think girls, you know, uh, Kobe's made it, really great to be a dad girl so to speak mm-hmm. you know he's really made it popular now you mm-hmm. know and so i really see that that focus now but girls are searching for some of those same things and when we talk in the book about being uncommon you know really searching for some of those same things uh in that my, my dad was a girl's dad he had three daughters and and i can answer my own question in that regard mm-hmm. when i look back on the on the life lessons that he taught me similarly i am a single mother and so are we saying that single mothers are somehow um, deficient in in raising their own sons and daughters and need outside support well you're looking at a young man who was raised by a mother you know and i can tell you my mother my mother was tough mom was tough you know mom mom was a protector as well but mom also recognized there were some things that mom could only go so far with certain things uh and and i didn't realize this when i was in high school but uh, I had a football coach, Jim Brown, and I talked to him, and he said the reason him and I were so close is because my mother had a conversation mm-hmm. with him. She said, oh, Mr. Brown, uh, Tim's getting in high school now. He's hanging with the wrong crowd. You know, I see him going, can you help me out? Can you come alongside? And I never knew that, you know, until I had a conversation with him. It was my mother who planted that seed. I mean, so that's, and so he really did come. He made me his monitor. Uh, in school or whatnot, I was with him all the time with football and all that, and that was the reason because I think as mothers, and you know this, I'm, uh, I'm sure you've se- seeked out men, you know, to help kind of fill those voids, some of those needs that your son needs. So there's a role uh, for uh, men in life, but but mom is still mom, mom and I applaud mom because I know I I watch my mother, so I know mothers 
mothers are, are, are there, are, are our biggest cheerleaders, our biggest supporters as boys. You know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, and I bought into, I'm, I'm not one to foster gender stereotype roles. So I fought kicking and screaming the notion that I could not raise my son single-handedly because of reasons like you just noted, Coach Brown. I've seen mothers do it, and I've seen sons turn out okay. But I began to notice that there was just a difference in how my son reacted when a man talked to him versus when I talked to him. And he respected both of us. First, I noticed there was a difference in what we said. So I would say, you you better move out of the way before that ball clunks you on the head. And the man would stare at her and go, oh, that ball clunked you on the head, huh? You should have moved. You let that happen. And, and the man would say, I, I, I knew it was going to help him more than it was going to hurt him. And so I, I do buy in now. And I've talked to some of my son's friends who have um, single moms who have said the same thing. Well, gee, my mom raised me by herself. And so why do I need a man? I said, you know what? We did the best we could do. Mm-hmm. And I applaud us for doing it. But I didn't want those young men to downplay the importance of the roles that they played in the lives of their sons and of their daughters. Because I believe that, you know, big brothers, big sisters isn't just big brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is important for young men and young women. I believe, to have role models. Coach Brown, if someone wanted to join you in your efforts, what would they do? Chris said he was just going to follow you along, but for right. those of you who <laughs> don't know where to find you and don't want to be accused of stalking uh, you. I, I just, that's just how, how it's been <laughs> it's just for 20 years, just following him along and just asking him a bunch. I'm surprised he doesn't get annoyed by me because I ask a bunch of questions. You can find me on uh, CoachTimBrown.com. Coach and I'm on Instagram and all that. And last thing I want to challenge men is this. Uh, uh, Dr. John Tyus said this. When you, when you think of the word mentor, uh, he broke it down like this. is men taking young boys on a tour. Mentor, taking them on a tour. And that's, mm-hmm. what, that's what I try to do is take young guys on a tour. Take them on a tour. Expose them to different things. They can, then they can make a decision based on what they've seen. But you can reach me at CoachTimBrown.com. Uh, I'm on all the social medias with the same thing, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Coach Tim Brown. Great. And you also speak. Tell us about where you've spoken, what kind of engagements you're open to speaking to. Yeah, I, I've done some keynote speak, uh, speakings at men's events. I've also uh, done I do school assemblies as well. I'm the uh, team chaplain. For, I've spoken at Ohio State uh, University. I'm the team chaplain for the men's basketball team, spoken for the football team. So all those areas are uh, what I enjoy doing. So I'm available Good, and, and we've, we've positioned our discussion about mentoring today in the context of children, but let me say a word too about the importance of mentoring even among adults. And so I'm gonna talk about the, the corporate world, for example. We hear a lot now, and we're going to do a show soon on um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI efforts that you might hear about going on in the corporate workplace. I was just approached and called into a meeting with an organization that's trying to recruit in particular more minorities and the answer that that we gave them that's that's been demonstrated is that people want to be around people who look like them and who know how to coach them and work with them to help them be successful.
successful and be acknowledged for being successful. So I would say to our listening audience in our last few minutes, we always try to talk about what you can do. We'll ask each one of our guests to tell you once again how you can reach them to be a mentor for a child. But even as adults, the extent to, and this transcends race and gender, the extent to which we can reach out to each other in any environment and provide some positive motivation and reinforcement and coaching to each other is critically important in someone's success. I'm I'm amazed when someone at my later years in life says, gee, I, I heard you speak or I saw you in a presentation in a, in a corporate environment, a nonprofit volunteer role, and because of that, I decided to do something. And that is, as with our guest here today, I can't tell you how rewarding that is in terms of not only your own success, but but just feeling like you've given back. So Elizabeth, if you're still with us, if you could give us once again the contact information for Big Brothers Big Sisters of Central Ohio. Yes, still here. So BBBS, so that's three Bs, one S, Central Ohio org and there's one more thing that I wanted to say sure. about I wanted to underscore just the importance of what you spoke to. I know we're also talking about our mentorship work in the context of children. Um, you know, I think if there's anything that this pandemic has surfaced for our entire global community is the power of connection, the power of relationship. I think there are two, two often um, experiences where we're seeing, um, you know, conflict and divisive um, communication happening across all communities, happening across all age demographic and I think you know sometimes it's just about going to the basics and understanding that one we don't have to go at it alone um, and we are built for human connection I think that that's how we grow that's how we thrive Um, and that really is about strengthening our whole social fabric in our community great thank you and coach Tim one more time how can we reach you anyone who's interested in learning more about what you do uh, CoachTimBrown.com. Uh, uh, that's my website. You can also reach me on Instagram, Twitter. But I want to challenge men, start in your own community. Start in your own family. Find that nephew. Find that niece. Find someone. You know, Start right in the house and then build from there. Good. Thank you to Elizabeth Martinez, President and, President and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters Central Ohio, to Coach Tim Brown, author of Boys Won't Be Boys. I believe you can find that on Amazon. Is that yes, correct? Yes, it's available on Amazon. Yes, and to Chris Stewart. To Stevens. Stevens. I'm so sorry. To, Chris, right. to Chris Stevens, who is a, a, a walking, living, breathing. I wish you could see him here in the studio and how energized he is about his experiences as a mentee who's now giving back as well. Thank you so much you. for all each Thank of you, you do for our community. Thank you. And for joining us here today on The Window.